Hi everybody, Mike Wardrop from Encounter Church here and thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. Our prayer is that through this podcast, you could have an encounter with Jesus that will change your life. And now get ready for an inspiring message from our teaching team. Hey, uh, for those I haven't met yet, my name's Mike. I'm one of the pastors here at Encounter. It is my absolute privilege to be here with you. Online church, it is so good to be with you in this season. We hear stories again and again of people who are impacted through the work of our digital team, who work incredibly hard and faithfully to make online church a reality. So we're praying for you. We pray this is an incredible blessing. And here's my challenge for you guys. Connect. Don't just spectate. Connect. Right? We want partners, not passengers. That's what God's looking for in his kingdom-building exercise. So wherever you are, you can be lying in bed watching on an iPhone. That's fine. Don't switch over to Netflix. Stay here. But lean in. Like Engage. Respond. Take notes. Worship. You're just as much a part of this as we are. Hey, um, I'm going to read some scripture. Is that all right? Yeah. It's good. I was going to do it anyway. Okay. Acts chapter 8. Just a few verses tonight. Starting at verse 34. The eunuch said to Philip, I ask you, who is the prophet saying this about himself or someone else? Philip proceeded to tell him the good news about Jesus, beginning with that scripture. As they were traveling down the road, they came to some water. The eunuch said, look, there's water. What would keep me from being baptized? So he ordered the chariot to stop. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him any longer, but went on his way rejoicing. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. Wow. Praise God. I tell you, God's doing a work in this place. God's doing a work in this place. And I just got really caught up on this one line as I started reading this passage. And I encourage you to read it. 26 to 40 is really the whole passage to get your teeth into it. This one verse that said, the eunuch said, what would keep me from being baptized? What's stopping me? What's stopping me? Who's ever said to you, has somebody ever said to you before, what's stopping you? What's stopping you from doing that? Why wouldn't you give that a crack? I remember I was, I was dating Jenny. Jenny went on a um, mission trip. She, and she went for six months. She was going to YWAM. That's what she told me. I don't know. I wasn't there. She, she could have gone anywhere. She might have just been wanting a break. But she went away for six months. And I thought, what am I going to do? I don't want to be all bored and mopey and piney back here. And uh, one of my friends said, well, why don't you go to Japan? I was like, oh, I don't know. That seems weird. Why, why would I go there? And he sort of went, what's stopping you? I'm like, literally nothing. Okay, let's go. Let's go. So I went and lived in Japan for a year, and it was amazing. Now, that's great. That was great advice. I needed that sort of push. But then there's other times, like when we're in Japan, you can buy fireworks legally in Japan, which is just a great start to any story. You can, and so we bought a bunch of fireworks, and it was 4th of July. My American friends and I were celebrating a holiday, and we're like, oh, there's a big patch of empty road. Should we let a firework off on that? And somebody went, why wouldn't we? And that's kind of the other kind. You know, there's the kind where people are pushing you to try something new. And then there's the other kind where you're like, oh, I probably should have listened to a different voice. Anyway, we went to light this firework and we put it off in the middle of the road and everyone runs to the side. I'm like, oh, it's taking its time. Smoke's starting to come out of it. We're like, oh, maybe it's a bit of a dud. Smoke starts to pour out of it on this bridge. And we realize it wasn't a firework, it was a smoke bomb. And all these cars are coming up, and, and they're just, there's smoke everywhere. You can't see anything. And we just ran because we were cowards. And, and that is why 
I don't really know what the moral of that story was. But when fireworks are legal, crazy stuff happens. It's great. I get to tell you, though, you've got to ask yourself that question, what's stopping you? Because in your life and in mine, one of the things I see all the time is too many of us settling for mediocrity. We settle for a mediocre life. We settle for the mediocre gifts of God rather than the fullness of his spirit, the fullness of his presence. We get partway and then we stop. We stop. You know, and you might ask yourself, what's stopping you? You know, what's stopping me from trying something new? What's stopping me from getting into a relationship? What's stopping me from getting a new job? And the beauty is, if you're looking for that excuse, 2020 has handed it to you, hasn't it? Hey, why not? Oh, COVID. COVID is stopping me. It's, it's like the standard toddler thing that the baby did it. You know, the toddler does something wrong, and they're like, oh, baby did it. That's what we are like with COVID right now. Anything goes wrong, we're like, well, COVID, though. It's like, well, that's true, but what a cop-out. What if instead of using COVID as an excuse, we realize that maybe, maybe this is the divine interruption we need. I'm not saying COVID is a good thing. Of course it's not. But maybe it is the disruption we needed to be jolted and jarred out of our everyday life and brought into the fullness of life that God has for us. What if only by being badly disrupted, you could actually get into the life that God wants for you? That's what this story is about in Acts chapter 8. So I just encourage you, go there with me, because there's all things, kinds of things that stop us in this life, and it's our choice what we do with them. So if you turn with me to Acts chapter 8, and we're going to get into the story of Philip and the Ethiopian. I love this story. So in this period of time, it is like the wild west for Christianity. You got martyrs, you got missionaries, you got miracles, and, and into this comes Philip. Now, Philip is a, a disciple, and his original job is to be a deacon. Basically, his job is to serve the poor, which is a great thing to do. But when you're in ministry, you don't get to just pick one thing and do it. You always, always declare the name of Jesus. You're always proclaiming the gospel. So Philip is serving the poor, and he's proclaiming the gospel, and all this stuff starts to happen. All these miracles break out. He's seeing people get healed. He's seeing people get delivered from demons. These sorcerers start following him around because they're like, I want what this guy has. And they realize it's Jesus and they start to try and pay for the Holy Spirit and then they get in some trouble and it all works out in the end. It's fine. Philip's, Philip's having an amazing time. He's in the region of Samaria. And at some point he sort of gets, he's like, okay, I think I'm done here. And the Spirit of the Lord leads him out of Samaria and he's going down the road and the Spirit of the Lord is leading down him. And we know the Spirit of the Lord's leading down here because it says in the scripture, in the text, he hears from an angel of the Lord telling him, him to go down that road. Now, we read this stuff in the Bible. If you're familiar with the Bible, we're like, yeah, okay, the angel told him. Like, no, 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 time out. Hands up how many of you have done something because an angel told you. No? No, you're lying. Put that hand down. Stop it. The, no one put their hand up. That was for, for the people. That's just a little preacher trick for you online just to make it feel more engaging. It didn't work in this case. Sometimes it does. Anyway... He hears an angel of the Lord. I'm just trying to keep you awake here, night service. Come on, stay with me. There it is. That's the hype I'm looking for. The angel of the Lord tells Philip to go down the road away from Samaria. And this is important because it shows that Philip is a man of obedience. He is a man of faithfulness. He is a man for whom he can be interrupted by something totally bizarre. And he is up for the challenge. So many of us are not up for the challenge. So Philip is sent away from Samaria, and he just says to God, what's next? 
What's up next? You tell me. Sends him down the road and he sees an Ethiopian man riding in his chariot on the way back from worship in Jerusalem. Now, as it turns out, this man is a eunuch. He's a servant of the queen. He's a very powerful man politically. And, and uh, he is in charge of the treasury. So he would be a, a good tither. You know, that's again, that's probably more for me than you. But he this is a politically powerful man. And this politically powerful eunuch from Ethiopia, he's sitting in his chariot. He's being driven home by a servant. And he is reading out loud from the prophet Isaiah. And Philip looks at that and he's like, huh, interesting. And God's like, go and talk to him. Now, you've got to remember, the chariot's moving. So Philip's sort of jogging along next to the chariot like, hey, hey. It's like, yeah, the Ethiopian's like, oh, hey, buddy. Like, hey, can, uh, do you, uh, <clears throat> he's trying to catch his breath, pretends like he's not out of breath. He's like, hey, um, do you know what that means? Do you know what this means? How much do you wish people asked you that sometimes when you read the Bible? You know, you're, you're, you're there reading and going like, oh, yeah. And somebody just asks you, do you get what that means? And you can go, oh, thank God someone asked. No, I don't understand this at all. Thank you, for, thank you for asking me. Sometimes we need somebody to come alongside us and help us with that. So Philip asked the Ethiopian, and the Ethiopian just asked another simple question, a question that I do not think he meant to come across as sassy as it sounds, where he says, well, how can I if nobody's here to help me? And Philip's like, okay, okay. Well, here I am. And he climbs up on the chariot. And the Ethiopian sort of explains where he's at. And Philip starts to speak to him about it and says what it means. He begins to unpack what is going on. And he explains that this passage the Ethiopian is reading is a passage about a servant who's going to suffer on behalf of all the people. In fact, it's a Messiah, a Savior, an anointed one who is still to come, who is going to bring salvation and redemption for all Israel. And this Ethiopian eunuch's like, great, good for Israel. And Philip's like, no, 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 hold on, hold on, it's getting good. He says, but it's been fulfilled. It's done. Jesus has come. The suffering servant who took all the world's sin and shame on himself is now here. The Lamb of God led like a sheep to the slaughter. The true judge of the world who had no justice in his death. Jesus, the King of Israel, has come to save Israel by dying for Israel. And Philip says, oh, by the way, Andy's been resurrected from the dead. If he had a mic, he would have dropped it. Now, Philip continues, everyone has access to the covenant promises of Jesus Christ. Jesus has made access to this. Everyone, no matter their background, their family history, their experience, whatever, nothing is separating them from God. Jesus has made this way possible. Now, for an Ethiopian eunuch... That is a man who is not Jewish, a man who can bear no children because he's been castrated. This is a big deal. This, this idea of family is a powerful, powerful symbol for someone like this man who has been on the outer. Did you know that if he came to worship in the temple, that would have made him stand outside the temple? He would have had to stand in the outer court if at best because he was ritually defiled as a eunuch. Now, that's pretty tough because that's the rest of your life. And Philip says, hold up. Jesus has paved a way to God for you, for you. That's a breakthrough for the Ethiopian. So as they ride along, they come past some water and the Ethiopian asks one more question. What's stopping me from being baptized? What's stopping me? Why wouldn't I do this? And the answer is nothing, really. I mean, one of the things that was stopping him was knowledge, understanding. But here comes Philip sent by God to help this guy understand what it means to be a follower of not just God, but Jesus. 
And then the other thing this guy was missing was life circumstances, being a eunuch. But Philip's explained to him, no, 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 because of Jesus, the way has been opened up for you to be part of God's family. It's not just Jewish people anymore. It's not just the Hebrews. Come on. It's now everybody. It's you and me. It's Ethiopians. It's Gentiles. Everyone across the world has access to God through Jesus Christ. And so the Ethiopian eunuch says, what's stopping me? And he orders the chariot to stop. And then they get down. And Philip goes down into the water with him, baptizes him in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And as they come up and come out of the water towards the chariot, the Spirit of God takes up Philip, and the Ethiopian man never sees him again. Now, tradition has it that this eunuch went back to Ethiopia and became the first Ethiopian missionary. If you go to Ethiopia today, the most prominent religious ornaments that you see all around the city are Christian because from day one there has been a presence of Jesus Christ in northern Africa. No matter what's come, Jesus has been there. It's an amazing story. It's a story of faith and spiritual power and new life and it all hinges on that one question, what's Stopping me. Now, here's the thing. I have found in my time that what is stopping us is not much, really. But at the same time, it's everything. Again and again, we come through to our circumstances and we decide that what is in front of us is too much for us. Or maybe more specifically, it's too much for God to do in us. And we decide that we will go up to a point and that's as far as we'll go. Now, in 2 Kings chapter 13, we hear the story of Elisha, who was one of the great prophets of Israel. The last thing he did before he died is he took one, the king that was ruling at the time, I think his name is Jehoash, and he took him and he said, listen, shoot this arrow out the east window. And so Jehoash shoots an arrow out the east window, and Elisha declares that as victory of Israel's enemy. And he says, all right, go out and get the arrow. And so he's like, all right. So he goes and get the arrow. It's the kind of power that prophets had back in that time. The king just sort of jogs out to get the arrow. And he comes back and Elisha says, now slam it into the ground. So the king's like, okay. Bang, bang, bang. And Elisha basically looked at him and was like, that, that's it? You done? So, oh, yeah, no, you can have the arrow back now. Elisha's like, no, 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 no. You don't get it. Because you only hit the ground three times, you'll only have three victories over your enemies. If you'd done it just even just a bit more, just six or seven you would have had total breakthrough, total victory in your life. But you just couldn't be bothered. You got to a point and then you went, I'm okay with that. Now, why? Well, who knows? Maybe the king had an RSI. Maybe he had an injury in his wrist. He's like, ah, oh, three actually was quite hard for me to do. It's like, well, no, that would have hurt. That would have hurt. But is that all you want in life? Or maybe the king was like, actually, you know, I've been up all night, and I've just I've got all these meetings to go to, all these committees. You have no idea how many committees I'm on as a king. It is so frustrating. And so it's not that I don't value this. It's just that I just needed to do this and get it out of the way. And Elisha's going, you have missed the point entirely. How much do you want from God? Like, what's stopping you? Because the answer is really simple. It's you. You are the only thing stopping you from going further in your relationship with God. God, I can guarantee you, wants more for you than you want God wants more. He's got more. He's almighty. He's all powerful. He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. He's omniscient. He is all loving. He is all present. He is all for you. But you've got to want it. You've got to crave it. But we come up against four key problems. So I'm going to grab four interns. So Taryn, who else is nearby? 
Tash. Oh, you got to watch the camera, don't you? Clever. Well done, Cara. Let's go. Jeremy, who's the next nearest intern? Oh, no, Jasmine's got a broken arm. Let's go, Adelaide. All right, come on up here. Adelaide, you've had a nap. You're nice and refreshed. Come on, come on up here. So good. Well done. This is so good because last time I tried to get you up, Cara, to do something like this, I found out on the spot that you're in the hospital. So this is much better. Okay. <laughs> we have these four major issues. Now, who's heard of the great commandment before, right? Yeah. right? If you can, say it with me. The great commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And then the second part, which is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. But let's focus on the first part for now. Now, Jeremy, be the heart for me. Cover your heart. Right. We have a heart problem as human beings, whether you're a follower of Jesus or you wouldn't use that language or not, we have a heart problem because we fail to trust with the heart. And the issue we have, the thing that's stopping us from doing great things in our life with our heart is fear. Fear grips hold of our heart. And when somebody says to you, what's stopping you? You're like, well, well, quite a lot of things are stopping me. And we start to get really wound up and caught up. Like, I, could, I couldn't do that because fear grabs our heart. And our fear inside of us becomes bigger than the Spirit of God inside of us. We sort of push the Spirit away and we go, no, 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 no. My fear is bigger than any of my circumstances right now. Anxiety is taking over a generation because we focus on that. And the more you focus on it, the more you get stuck on it. And if, if you've suffered with this, you know what it's like. The more you look at it, the worse it gets. Fear is gripping hold of a generation. But when you consider the love of Christ for us and the fullness of that, that overflows. Perfect love casts out all fear, right? That's what it does. That's what the love of Christ does in us. Now, when you've got fear, it's a trust issue. It's about our emotions and our heart being unwilling to trust God above the things of the world, right? But when you've got the love of God in you, when you're focusing on the love of God and not on the fear inside of you, that casts out all fear. And your heart can love God the way it was meant to. Now, and so we get to Taryn. Taryn, put your fingers to your mind like this. You're a mind person, aren't you? A woman of science and faith. Amazing. Amazing. Ask her to tell you what like shining means in a, in a spiritual, scientific combination. I don't really understand it, but it was great when Taryn told me. See, if we've got to love the Lord our God with all our heart, and we do, that's great. But we also have to love the Lord our God with all our mind. And for some of you, you're like, look, the heart's not really that big a problem. I feel like emotionally I could get behind this. This music's pretty good. It makes me feel good. You know, it stirs me up. Great, great. But I'm struggling with what's in my mind. And that's because we struggle with a lack of knowledge or a lack of understanding. And for some of us, we are not trusting God. We are stopping because we feel like we don't have enough information. Now, if you're a Christian, that's probably a fear-based thing again. Something is stirring your heart. You're like, I am afraid that I don't have the answers that someone is going to want to give me. So, Taryn, and that's perfect because it's like I am holding the information inside my head right now. Exactly. Show the nice people online how you're holding the information in your head. Look, she even looks stressed about it. If you are going to renew your mind and give it to Jesus, here's what you've got to do. You have got to trust that the knowledge inside of you right now is sufficient for any given moment. Let me tell you something. If you are here and you're a skeptic, first of all, so good to have you here. Like It's just amazing to have you in the place. But you will never have all the information you want, ever. Oh, do you mean about Christianity? No, I mean about anything. 
Like, you don't have the information about the chair you're sitting on. You don't know where it was manufactured. You don't know how long it's been in operation. You don't know how close it is to breaking right now, but you're all sitting on them. (laughs) Yeah, now you all want to check. I know. (laughs) That's the thing. You will never have all the information. What you have to do is have the sufficient information that you go, I have enough and I trust in God for the rest. Now, that doesn't mean you be ignorant or naive. Taryn's not ignorant or naive. She's a woman who's going, okay, I am trusting in God for the rest. I will continue to pursue knowledge and pursue information, pursue understanding, but I will walk with what I have because that's where God meets you, with what you have. So if your struggle is you're saying, I have a lack of understanding, a lack of knowledge, God will meet you there and lead you further on. You're okay. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. That's it. Come on. Is that? <laughs> that's it. You, no, you tell me. However you want to flex the biceps, you go for it. Yeah. That's <laughs> literally where they got the emoji from. Like Adelaide Cooper, right here. Now, but you're not going to like this next part. The, the body part represents sin. Patterns of sin and ungodly behavior. Right? And so sin is, <laughs> I mean, we're all there. We're all there. I'll just keep going. Sin is an issue of the flesh. It is when we are trapped in unhealthy and ungodly patterns of behavior. Now, we do them for a couple of reasons. The first is that we just don't want to change. We're just stubborn. We don't want to change. But you can't do that and then go, oh, why isn't God giving me more? It's because you don't want to change, and God wants to change you. You're like, I'm great how I am. Like, I don't think you'd be asking these questions if you were great how you were. I don't think you would. In fact, I think the only kind of people who come to it with sin and go, I don't need God, are incredibly arrogant. Sorry if that's you. But if you're coming, I mean, I'm not that sorry, am I? But if you're coming, if you're coming and you're going, look at me, look how strong I am. God, where are you? Turn up. It's like, well, why are you even asking God to turn up in the first place? I thought you just said you were strong. I thought you said you had it covered. We need to acknowledge our need. And when we acknowledge our need, our sin doesn't matter so much, right? Sometimes what we do is we get caught up in it. Like the reverse of that is we beat ourselves up for our sinful nature. We go, oh, I'm doing all these things wrong. God couldn't possibly love me. But he does. He chooses you and he calls you. What you do is you turn your back on that and you fix your eyes on Jesus. You don't get so caught up on the sin you don't want to do. You get more caught up on the God you want to follow. And when you do that, he'll draw you deeper. He'll bring you closer. You'll be coming home. So then we're learning to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our strength, and then with all our spirit. How would you define spirit, Cara? Maybe give us some spirit fingers? There we go. There we go. Cara's giving us spirit fingers. Is that from like Bring It On or something? I can't remember. What's it from? Sure. Bring It On. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Great. Yeah. Okay. I really lost the moment there. Look. This, the, spirit, the Spirit of God is, is the toughest belief blocker, the, the Spirit of God and our spirit, because there's something in us where we start to recognize the cost, the cost of being a follower of Jesus Christ, and the cost is high. It is real. Jesus says to his disciples, follow me. And they're like, oh, like today or tomorrow, because like, I've, I've, I've got a schedule, I've got to be at work on Wednesday. Like, no, no, follow me, everything. And they leave their belongings and follow him. And then later on, he says, what I want you to do is take up your cross and follow me. That is, there is a cost. It's going to involve pain. It's going to involve sacrifice. If you want to follow Jesus, it is going to look like something that transforms your whole life. But what you get in response is the abundance of the presence of God. 
what you get in response is all of God. You get the Holy Spirit inside of you, and that overpowers your fear. It overpowers your lack of understanding. It overpowers your sin. It even overpowers your sense that the cost might be too great because the joy before you is bigger than the fear within you. It's bigger than the struggles in your mind. It's bigger than the worries in your spirit. It's bigger than the sin holding to your flesh. The joy before you when you seek the face of Jesus is bigger than any of that. The question for you is simply, what's stopping you? What's stopping you? You can all take a seat. Thank you. See, the thing about the spirit part, friends, is, is we ask ourselves this question. We get deep in our spirit and we're like, okay, maybe this thing I'm feeling in my heart is real. I, I think I've got enough answers to at least go on with, with a bit of faith, a little faith I have. I understand that whatever I'm doing in my life, God's going to do a work and it's going to begin to look differently. But what if I'm wrong? That's the question that nags in our spirit. What if I'm wrong? If you're wrong, you might start to become transformed by being part of an amazing community, doing works of service, loving people in a way you haven't before because of the people around you. Chances are you'll be living a richer, more fulfilled life. But what if you're right? See, if you're right, you don't just get that, you get the fullness of God. You get the hand of God when times are hard. You get the call of God on your life, speaking to you, urging you on. You don't get to be the Ethiopian on the side of the road getting baptized. You get to be Philip, drawn on by the Spirit, transforming people's lives. My question to you is, what's stopping you? What's stopping you? And what is normally stopping us, whether it's fear, whether it's lack of understanding, whether it's sin or whether it's a sense of the cost, is simply that we decide that it's just too hard. And if that's been your journey in 2020, you're like, Mike, especially if you've been here a lot and you've heard me bang on like this before, you're like, Mike, I do want this, but I'm just so tired. My 2020 has just taken it out of me. And you might be here and being here is all you've had. Like you feel like this is as much as you've got. God's saying, give that to me. Give that sense of brokenness, that sense of limitation, that sense of frustration and sorrow. Give that to me. And I will fill you with my Holy Spirit. I will be with you day after day after day, I will lead you through the valley of the shadow of death. And in the darkest night, you will fear no evil, not because evil is not around, but because I'm with you. This is the thing. I think sometimes, whether you're not a Christian here or you are, we approach God and we're like, God, you're going to make my life fantastic. That's not how it works. God won't make your life fantastic, but he will fulfill you with the Holy Spirit and the presence of God. If you have been looking at your life, shaking your head, wondering what you are going to do, what you are craving is the presence of God. What's stopping you? What's stopping you really? And we're going to go into a time of worship here. And um, we'll have some prayer. Why don't we do that? We'll open up the front. We'll have a bit of prayer. We'll let the Spirit of God move. 
Let me tell you one last thing. The, the other thing I love to do to people, and sometimes it works for people, but sometimes it doesn't, it's all right, is I love to invite people to challenge God to speak to them. Because so often people will say God hasn't spoken to me, but they haven't even asked. <laughs> They're like, ah, oh, God hasn't spoken to me. Like, what, do you want him to? Like, uh <laughs> Because then you've got to do something about it, right? And so here's my challenge. If you're here and you're feeling stale, you're feeling stuck, you're not sure if God exists, ask God to speak to you. Now, this might come through a bolt from the blue. It might come through a little voice in your head. Trust that. That'd be my encouragement. It might come from somebody crossing the room. So it may be that you're here praying right now and that you're a Christian already. You love Jesus. You're like, I want, I've got... Jesus in my life. I want more of him. I'm hungry. It's all good. But God might be saying, that's great. I want you to be Philip right now. You need to cross the road. There's an Ethiopian eunuch somewhere. You know, if someone goes up to you, don't assume you're literally an Ethiopian eunuch, but go with the analogy here. There's an Ethiopian eunuch here. There's somebody who needs the presence of God. There's somebody who needs this more than your awkwardness, more than your discomfort. All right, I'm going to make one person very uncomfortable, and then, and then we're going to get in some worship. Our dear friend, Victoria, who was baptized today, Reaffirmed her baptism. It won't really make her uncomfortable. She's fine. She shared her story. Now, I'm not sure if you caught it, but part of what she said was, I found home at Encounter, and then I left and did my own thing. And then there came a moment where she recognized her need for God. Now, she's got two options. Well, she's got a few options there. Her first option is to ignore it. Her second option is to go, yeah, uh, maybe I'll go somewhere new, uh, somewhere where they don't know my, my history. Somewhere where they, they don't know what's been going on in my life in the past. Or she could do what she felt God was challenging her to do, which was to come back home. And it speaks, it is such a credit to Victoria and the courage that it takes that she was able to come back home, find faith, go deeper, get reaffirmed in her baptism. What would have happened if she just said, something is stopping me, I'm too embarrassed. Something is stopping me, my past is stopping me. What would have happened? Stories only begin when the things that are stopping us are pushed aside and we pursue the presence of God. And God is writing a new story in you tonight. Thanks so much for listening. I pray that you're able to hear from God in a fresh way today. We'd love to hear from our listeners. To connect with us, or to support the work of Encounter, please jump on our website, encounteradelaide.com.au. And if you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to jump onto iTunes, Spotify, or your podcast provider and give us a rating and review. Or share this message on your social media accounts and tag us at Encounter Adelaide. God bless. Have an amazing week.